with the ministry of the word. Hooray. And then we are going to continue the morning in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I want those of you in this room who are prophetic, those of you in this room who love Jesus, I want you to stir your hearts. So we've already heard things this morning about victory. And that really excites me because that is where we're going to be arriving um, at, hopefully, by the time I finish. So let's stir ourselves because we're here before the living God. So this morning, just very briefly, I want to give an overview of the whole of eternity. Shouldn't take more than a couple of minutes. <laughs> um, I want to look very much look at the cross and then look at our response to the cross because if not, it's just a lot of information that tickles our ears and um, nothing changes. So let's firstly start with an overview of eternity. <laughs> I mean, what's all this about? I mean, what on earth are we doing here on a Sunday morning? I mean, what a complete waste of time. Why aren't we down B&Q? Why aren't we doing the garden? Why aren't we preparing Sunday lunch? What is this life all about? Well, I'll tell you, the life that we live in this world, it's all about one person, that's God. The God of the Bible. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is a God who has no beginning. He is a God who has no end. Our God is one, and yet he is three persons. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. From all eternity, God in his three persons has been in perfect union together. The more I try to study, the more utterly baffling it is, but the more wonderful the truth, the truth is. You see, it might be a bit of a shock, but God had no need of mankind. <sighs> he had no need of mankind, but he, he demonstrated his amazing love and amazing kindness by creating us to have a relationship that we could enjoy, that same relationship as he enjoys between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that we too can enjoy the wonder of the Godhead. And one day when we're with him, my goodness, oh, if we have ears, they will tingle. But of course, man, me, we had choices, didn't we? And of course, I wanted to go my own way. Man wanted to go his own way. Decided to choose to follow a lie from the devil, who was a fallen angel. And this book tells you all about that as well. We went our own way, we've sinned, and we now live with the consequence and the mess around us because of our sin. Now, man was created for a relationship with God, so we've now got a problem. Man is full of sin, and yet God is a holy God, and he cannot tolerate sin. And that's something we're going to be looking at in a bit more detail later, something which some may actually find quite offensive. But man was born in sin, and only God could bridge that gap to man. We couldn't do that. God, at the beginning of time, had a master plan, a rescue plan, to bring us back into relationship with God. How did he do that? I might throw this out as a bit of a quiz question. He sent his son. Oh, yeah, very good. He sent his son, Jesus, Jesus was totally God, and he was also totally man. Good luck with that one. But he was totally God, totally man. He lived a perfect life, 
on, as he lived on this earth. And he chose to die on the cross so that he could restore our relationship with God the Father. So, so far so good. Nice, nice and straightforward. If you're a Christian, you kind of know that. If you don't know Jesus as the Savior, as Savior, that's quite helpful background to give you something to try and understand what we're talking about this morning. But it does all hinge on the cross. Okay, it's time to pick on people because I know it's always people's favorite part of my preach. This time of year, how many people have prayed or heard the following prayer? I put my hand up now, hoping that the deodorants worked. Dear Lord, thank you that it wasn't those nails that held you to the cross, but it was your love for me. Amen. Come on, be honest. Yeah, yeah, okay. Nothing wrong with that prayer at all, because it's true. It is true. It was the love of Jesus that held him to the cross. But friends, there's also so much more. There's so much more of this wonderful God that we can learn. There are deeper theological truths about the cross of Jesus. And as Steve and others know, I have a bit of a war on at the minute with evangelical sentiment that has soaked and pervaded every part of my being for the last 50-something years, where I trot out phrases without really looking at the truth and looking at what the Bible actually says. So Jesus did die on the cross for his love for us. Let's, just, let's pray. I'm going to pray again. We want to ask the Holy Spirit to be our teacher. Father, we thank you so much that you are a living God, that you are Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You've reminded us this morning that you are looking down upon us. And Father, the invitation is to open our hearts and to put down the barriers in our spirit to welcome you in. Lord Jesus, we say, come, Holy Spirit, you wrote this wonderful book. Would you interpret it? Would you speak to us? Would you be our teacher this morning? Lord, we want to hear your voice and give us the courage to respond and take steps. Amen. John 3.16, we know it, we can say it all together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't that wonderful? God gave his only Son, because God required a price to be paid for sin, because God is a God of justice, and only a perfect sacrifice could make that bridge from the mess that I'm in to a relationship restored with God. Towards the back of this book, the Bible, there's a book called Romans, written by a man called Paul, who was quite a nasty piece of work until he had an encounter with Jesus. And he says in Romans chapter 3, verse 23 to 25, he said, For all have sinned, and all have fallen short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption of that is in Christ Jesus. Hang on to your hats. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Propitiation. Bit of a big word, isn't it? What on earth does it mean? Has anyone ever looked it up? 
Well, I have. <laughs> it means, there's so many meanings, but it means to appease. It means, it means to appease or placate anger in an angry person or an angry God. And yet there's, there's a kind of a, a sense behind it of a landscape of grace. It's the best way I can kind of try and interpret it for you. You see, in this scripture, Paul is telling us that Jesus was sent as a propitiation. He was sent as a sacrifice to bear the wrath of God. It's good old-fashioned preach, isn't it? Bear the wrath of God. So that, so that God can become propitious or God can become favorable towards us who are sinners. Then the next verse in Romans 8, uh, 3, sorry, 26, it shows us that only God alone is righteous. And that it is only he who justifies us through Jesus Christ. It's wonderful truth. Now it's not popular this day in the world or even in the church to declare that God is angry with sin and God is full of wrath. It's not popular. But his justice must be appeased. And, and even hearing me say that in your head, you're going, oh, Julian, it's a bit heavy. Come on, lighten up. You know, wrath of God, come on. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. And he does. He loves you so much. But if we water down the truth of the wrath and the anger of God, it devalues what he did on the cross. It means the starting point is me, not the starting point of God's righteousness and God's, God's justice. So the cross. Come to the cross. Four things about the cross I want us to very briefly look at. I want to look at the physical pain that Jesus went through. I want to look at the issue of Jesus bearing our sin. The third one, the appallingness of being abandoned by God. And then fourthly, that Jesus had to bear the wrath of God. Do I see smiley faces? <laughs> there is no doubt that a death on the cross is the most unspeakable and agonizing death. It's filled with stress. It's filled with pain. You see the pictures on, on the... On the wall of, of, of Jesus on the cross like that. I would argue that it was more like that. And the reason for that was they put a nail through your feet and they put a nail through your wrists and the paramedics can tell us that the name of that because I've forgotten that muscle but I know it's one of the most painful places. And it meant the only way you could breathe would you have to pull yourself up on those nails and push down on your feet and go up to fill up and then to get exhale, bang, ouch. Also remember, Jesus' back was torn to shreds at the whipping post. So he was, had to work his back up, which was an agony up the back of a rough cross. He was forced to use his own weight to basically kill himself, to suffocate. Don't kill himself, bad phrase. He, his own weight was what caused death, physical death. To get the air into the lungs, slowly suffocating, absolutely appalling, unspeakable torment. I read a medical analysis of crucifixion 
and I've decided that I'm not going to share it. It's disgusting. But our Jesus, enough said on that, I think, our Jesus went through appalling physical pain for you and me. He also bore the sin of the world. It's a wonderful part of our faith, but have you ever thought of this? I'd never really seen it before. Up until this point, Jesus had never known sin. He was perfect. He was spotless. He was holy. He, he was holy from all of eternity. He hated sin with his entire being. And the thought of evil was completely contrary to his character. Wayne Grunham, in his writing on the atonement, he says this. Jesus instinctively rebelled against evil. Yet in obedience to his father and in his great love for us, he took all the sins of the world, past, present and future. The thing that Jesus hated most, the foulness of sin, he took upon his own self. Isaiah 53 verse 6 says this, The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. No time to go into it, but be very clear. The price of sin was paid to the Father. Not to me, definitely not to the devil. It was the price was paid to God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake, God made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that, in right, so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that amazing? God's own son would become sin so that we, rubbish, lousy person like me, could become the righteousness of God. What a saviour. 1 Peter 2, 24, uh, 1 Peter 2, 24 says, you know, He himself bore our sins on the tree another picture language for the cross you see when we sin there's that, that sense of breaking of fellowship and as a Christian we can go quickly back to the father and say father look I'm really sorry and that fellowship and that relationship is restored through repentance but at this point Jesus had no, had no way out he bore the sin and all of his revulsion to evil came upon him and he bore that for us thirdly and appallingly Jesus experienced complete abandonment see when Jesus walked this earth we've been hearing it earlier he went about doing good didn't he He went about doing good healing all who are oppressed by the devil he cared for people he loved people and he knew that precious fellowship with his father um, and he knew the ministry of the Holy Spirit and many, many years ago, many, many years ago, I used to get up early like a good charismatic boy and I used to go and spend time before the Lord reading the word and praying. And I've got to be honest, sometimes it was really brilliant. I really looked forward to it and it was great. Just that fellowship, it was wonderful. But on the whole, it was more, well, Lord, here's your word and I love you and you're good. And yeah, it's, it's, it's good it's good to read the Bible and to be with you. 
there wasn't necessarily that spark. It was a good thing to do. But think of Jesus. He said he went off to the mountain to pray. And in the past, I've always thought, okay, here we go. It's going to be good to do this. But I had this thought. It was like Jesus was reconnecting with his father and reconnecting with the Holy Spirit. It was, what's the thing I thought of saying? It was like an eternal reunion taking place. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit getting back together in intimate joy and fellowship. Jesus would spend whole nights in prayer. And on rare occasions, the Father just couldn't, couldn't hold it in anymore. Jesus was baptized before John. And God just said, oh, this is my beloved Son. God couldn't help himself. Peter, James, and John, they went up to the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus was transfigured in front of them. And again, you just feel the father going, Oh, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. That love between the father, son, and Holy Spirit, but on the cross, in the midst of appalling physical agony, while bearing the sins of the world, disciples had run away. At this point, this point, the father abandons his son. At Jesus' greatest need, the thing he loved the most was deprived of him, the closeness of his heavenly father, the source of all joy, the source of fulfillment, the source of completeness was gone. Matthew twenty-seven forty-six says this, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice and he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I believe that the, fa- the father's abandonment of his son at this point simply affirms that God is righteous and that there is no shortcut for us in the dealing with the foulness of sin. Near the back of the Old Testament, at the front, back and front, there was a prophet called Habakkuk, and he said this in Habakkuk 3:13, "You who are of pure art, purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. God could not look upon the sin and his son who had become sin." Finally, we're nearly there, because there's a lot of good news coming. Hooray! <laughs> But before we get to the good news, Jesus bore the wrath of God. That's good, isn't it? Terrible pain, the weight of the foulness of sin, abandoned by his father. And then to cap it all, God pours out his wrath and his anger of sin onto his son. Jesus, who had been the father's delight from all eternity. But at that moment in abandonment, God pours out his anger and wrath an intent hatred of sin upon his son. As we saw earlier in Romans 3, it says Jesus became a sacrifice in our place, bearing the wrath of God against sin. And he showed us grace instead of the punishment that I and we deserved. Hour after hour of agony, excruciating pain, abandonment and the wrath of God. And if you want more on the wrath of God, John last year, 29th of March, 
It's on the website. John spoke very helpfully on the wrath of God, and I'm not going to um, embellish that at all. But the price for sin had to be paid. Again in Isaiah 53 and verse 10, it said, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him and to put him to grief. Again, I wonder how you cope with me talking about the wrath of God. Well, Julian, can't we talk about, oh, there's somebody here with a headache and, you know, Jesus has helped me through my week. Yes, we can, but this is the foundation of what we believe. Jesus had not dealt with the wrath of God. We would not be standing here. We just wouldn't be. I might have said it before, and please don't misunderstand me, but I've started to spend time with the Lord, thanking him that he is full of wrath and that he is full of anger. Father, I thank you that you are full of wrath and you're full of anger. It might offend some people, but just think it through because it helps me see the purity and the holiness and the justice of this God who we worship. It shows me my need of cleansing, my need of forgiveness because of the foulness of sin that I was born in, let alone the stuff that I've done, thought, and said, our God is full of anger and full of wrath and it must be dealt with. But he put it all on Jesus so that we can go free. Hallelujah. <laughs> Good, isn't it? What I'd like to do now, hopefully, please Lord, um, is uh, Adrian will turn me off, which would be a great joy for those listening. And we're just going to briefly look at a video for a couple of minutes and then I've got some very, very good news to share.
love demands my soul my life my back on yeah if you're listening to the tape that was um, when I surveyed the wondrous cross by Abel Tay but we have some very good news hooray some good news what a relief 2 Corinthians 5 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God shows his love for us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, the good news is the suffering of Jesus came to an end. The price was paid And the father's anger was abated. I think we heard it earlier, didn't we? John 19, verse 30. Jesus said, it is finished. Not, I am finished. It is finished. Luke 23, 46. Jesus called out in a loud voice. We heard about loud earlier, didn't we? It said, and he said this. He said, um, where is it? He cried out in the loud voice. He said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last. Jesus' relationship with the Father was also restored. Isaiah 53.11 says this, Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Something incredible happened. Matthew 25, 51 said, As Jesus breathed his last, the curtain in the temple, which I think was about four or six inches thick, it wasn't a, a, a light little loose curtain, was torn from top to bottom. Not like man, bottom to top. Top to bottom. The Holy of Holies, the place where God was unapproachable. God opened the way at that point. Hallelujah. It's great news. He started, as we heard earlier, by walking over the rubbish dump. And it ended by opening the way back to the Father. My friends, that is really good news. And if I want to see people saved, if I want to see my neighbours saved, yes, I must pray for them, but also... I need to embarrass myself by being honest about the actual deal. We are full of sin and we need Jesus to take that away and he has done it. Hebrews 2, uh, Hebrews 12, verse 2. Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising its shame. For the joy 
And what was the joy? Part of it, us lot. <laughs> Hooray! Us lot. For the joy set before him. Easter, Easter morning. Okay, you play along with me here. Someone stands up and goes, um, He is risen. <laughs> now, now, uh, uh, um, now, I need you to respond. Okay, He is risen. He is risen yeah, nice one. <laughs> right, right. How about, how about a, few, a few alternatives? I'm warming up now, so Steve's going, Oh no. <laughs> how about if next week, if John says he is risen, how about we say something like, yes, he's won victory, which we heard earlier, which is quite encouraging, or he is risen, yes, and I'm going to apply those benefits to my life. That would be quite a good response, wouldn't it? Or he is risen, yes, yes, yes. He is risen, so let's do what he said. Let's get to know this wonderful saviour. Jesus has paid the most appalling cross price. And when, as, as, a, as, a, as a little boy, I always didn't like Good Friday through to Sunday morning because I thought Jesus was dead during that time. I thought, I thought he was dead every year between that time. It goes to show how little children think, doesn't it? But... We're not at Easter Day yet, but I've got good news. He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is victorious. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit looking down upon us. He is saying, invite me. Invite me in. It's wonderful news, and that's going to be unpacked more as we kind of get together next week. You know, if you've never said sorry to Jesus for the rubbish in your life, for the sin and the mess, it's a great opportunity this morning. If you don't want to do it this morning, then God's big enough for you to go home, think about it, consider it, chat to people that you trust, think about it, consider. That's a good thing. But all you have to do is you just have to say, Jesus, I'm so sorry. My life's a mess. Things are rubbish. But I know that ultimately there's sin in my life. And I'm sorry. Would you take that away from me? Would you come and live in me and be Lord of my life? I think it's as simple as that, really. I wonder today, are you in physical pain? Are you in mental anguish? Boy, I know what that's like. <laughs> Jesus understands. And we can pray for one another today and ask the Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, remember, they're in union, to minister, to help us. We hear that by his stripes we are healed. You know, the appalling what went on at the whipping post. Jesus' back was torn to shreds, like a ploughed up field, the Bible says. He did that so that we could be healed. What about abandonment? Phil Greenslade, in fact, our old pastor, Phil Greenslade, a great, great Bible theologian. In his book, Voice from the Hills, he says this. He said, in his forsakenness or abandonment, the Lord Jesus goes to the very fullest reaches of our brokenness and our fallen humanness. Peter Bolt says this, he said, Jesus entered into solidarity with human beings in our suffering. Isn't that good? He's not up there observing a struggling. He came. He is in solidarity with the struggles and difficulties that we go through. 
And the commentator Bruce Milne said this, only once in all history has there truly been hell on earth. That was when Jesus Christ took our place on the cross and bore the wrath of God due for our sins. Part of our response to this can just be worship. Father, thank you so much. Lord, I don't want to think about the cross too much. It's so horrible. And we're not called to live at the cross. It's just kind of like an echo which follows us around rather than staying there in kind of brokenness because he died, God raised him from the dead, that we could live, you have to say it carefully, but live in victory, yes, in the real world, but we can apply what God has won for us on the cross. Jesus can even exchange our sense of abandonment for the acceptance of God. He knew what it was to be abandoned. I've never known complete total abandonment. We've been in foreign countries feeling very lost and lonely and kind of what's going on, but I've never experienced that total abandonment. But Jesus has. Maybe you feel condemned, oh, I'm doing that again, or I'm getting angry with them again. Well, Jesus said, (laughs) you know, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus if we make that step of saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I just invite you over this week just to reflect again on the cross. Maybe there's one aspect which you might find helpful. And just to gently and quietly respond in your heart. There will be an opportunity to respond now, but also I think sometimes it's good to go away and consider and think and reflect. Andrew Warnock said, Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. He's coming again. And, and if, if we know him as Lord, that's going to be kind of wow. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, it's not great. It's not great because look what Jesus went through. Please, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, consider Jesus. In fact, there's a verse in the Bible that says, consider Jesus. Jesus has won. I'm just going to leave that. Should we stand? I'm just going to pray. If you're part of the prayer or ministry team, could you just come sort of stand down the front here, please? That would be really helpful. What we're going to do is going to pray and then people can then go off for coffee. We're not going to call people forward, embarrass anyone. But these guys at the front have prayed, prepared and would love to minister, minister the Holy Spirit with you. Not give you counselling and sort everything out, but just apply the life of Jesus. So let's just pray. Holy Spirit, we want to thank you so much for your work. We want to thank you. Father, we just want to thank you so much that you have paid the price. That, Lord Jesus, you are a God of healing. You are a God of comfort. You are a God who restores broken relationships. You are a God of love and a God of care. Father, you said in your word that you're not going to take us out of this world and just sort of put us into a comfy chair, but that you're going to be with us as we walk through this world.
And Holy Spirit, we pray this morning that breakthroughs will start, that cracks will form, that little ends of wedges will, will come into place, that hard hearts would be opened. Lord Jesus, would you pour out a healing anointing this morning, just as we pray for one another. Father, long, long-term stuff that's been wearing us down. Father, could we see breakthrough this morning by the power of your Spirit. Bring healing, Father, we pray. And Lord, would you bring healing of mind too for troubled minds. Lord, I know what that's like. Troubled minds can know his peace by the power of your Spirit. And Jesus, we give you the worship. We give you the honor. We thank you. It's a place of victory won by you. And Father, we want to thank you. It's all about Jesus. All about you, Lord Jesus. May we go away from this place just thinking, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for your attention, folks.